My mother spills stories at the dinner table. A loud cacophony of interjection and speculation of stories passed down from generation to generation. My father says, Our family has no secrets. So like the child I was, so too did my stories spill forward, rowdy fights at the primary school cafeteria and shy crushes with blushes and darting eyes I thought only I could see. My love knows no bounds in our family, my mouth a lock, my parents the key. My mother points fingers at me over lunch, face red, words heavy, my father is not around to stop her and so she tells me she had no choice. My password, the key, my secrets laid bare on the dining table, an afternoon special, she looks at me. Did you try to kill yourself? I say, Mom, looking at you is like staring down the barrel of a gun. I am the gun, my finger on the trigger, my hands shake with its weight, but every chamber is empty. I can't kill me, even if I wanted to. I close the door shut behind me. I throw away the key. Filial piety is a locked door. Filial piety is the door. Maybe this is why I still keep coming home even after the word turns jagged and sharp, even after it stops fitting right in my mouth. I come back home for a visit when I'm cornered in the car, evidence in hand, a weapon pressed against my neck, my parents the knife, my mouth an open wound. Our family has no secrets. My love knows no bounds. Home is the ghost that haunts me. In the aftermath of a car crash, only I can see. Home Home is the ghost, home is the car crash, a flight ticket long overdue. I leave home for the first time, but why does it feel like I'm already gone? Why does everything I yearn for that is out of my reach never come home to me? I spill stories at the dinner table. A loud cacophony of interjection and speculation of stories passed down from generation to generation. My father says, Our family has no secrets. Our love knows no bounds. 1. In the face of mass destruction, how many of us turn to companionship? 2. My third poem about soulmates this week says more about my fear of dying alone than how much I believe in soulmates. 3. My dad gets sick and I swipe through Tinder as my mom drives him to the hospital. His test results come back negative. I cry anyway. 4. We matched the night before lockdown. Now, I can't imagine falling asleep without hearing you say goodnight. 5. Funny how driving us apart brought us together. Funny how we might never meet after this is over. 6. I turn my volume up to max when we call so I can hear your laugh ringing through my earphones. It's the closest I can get to having you next to me, Seven. I don't know what it's like to have you next to me. Eight. I can almost see your smile from kilometers away, Nine. Sometimes my hands itch to hold you, to cart my fingers through your hair. Instead, I learn every song from your playlist on the guitar and strum till I stop thinking about you, Ten. My fingers have been hurting for days. 11. When you hear me sing through your speakers, does it bring you comfort? 12. I don't pretend this all means we'll see each other on the other side. 13. In the face of mass destruction, how many of us turn to love? Welcome back to Knots FM, everyone. Uh, I'm here with Amanda uh, from Lads. She is the head of talent. Is that right? Yes. Okay, Hi. good. You see, I am, I am a well-researched host. and uh, <laughs> Well-researched? And you don't fucking just talk to me every day. That's your research. <laughs> okay, so uh, once again, welcome back to Knots FM X Lads. This is the third episode and we interviewed Sheena and Akil in the previous two episodes. Please do check them out. But yeah, um, Amanda just read some poetry as I'm sure you've heard before this. Uh, so yeah, talk to us a little bit about the poetry 
and the message and the meaning. Oh god, that's such a loaded <laughs> fucking question. Am I allowed to swear? You can swear, dude. Oh, okay. It's, it's my fucking show. Come on, okay, swear. Okay. Um, okay, I can't tell my mom I'm doing a podcast episode. Uh, okay. Um, okay, loaded question. Um, let's start with the first one. Mm-hmm. So the first one is another reason why my mom can't see this episode. Um, Oops. Okay. So it's doesn't have a title, but I guess if I would describe it, it's kind of painting a picture of like intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. and how like the cycle can just repeat itself so easily. You know, um, like right. the the first paragraph that I read in the beginning was about my mom and what what she does in our family, and then at the end, it's the same exact same paragraph, but it's me doing the things instead. Um, I guess it kind of reflects that fear of mine that I'm gonna end up just like my parents, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a good thing yep. either. So. You know, when you grow up in like an Asian household, that's like okay, I don't hate my parents, but I also cannot stand being around them. That kind mm-hmm. of feeling, okay. and I just kind of wanted to reflect that, um, especially after you know moving out and. Quote unquote spreading my wings, mm. um, it's it it's given me more time to kind of reflect on my relationship with with home and with the right. word home, what it means, and in family. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think one of my biggest issues with like one of my big struggles in moving out and giving myself like um, a philosophical crisis was I wouldn't know what to say when I was going back. Okay, like when I move, I would be coming back to my dorms. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know whether I should say I'm going home, or I'm going to my dorm. I'm going to campus. Going to my room. Yeah, yeah, going to my room. And when I'm going back to my parents' house, the instinct is to say home. But then it's like it I'm barely there anymore. I'm mm. on campus more than I am with my parents. So is it really still home? And then I threw myself into a loop, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna put that on the shelf and not think about it. And then everything came out in spoken word night. Shout out to Miss Sheena for Shout being out to Sheena, um, legend. Yes, the legend for being such a great um, host and mentor. And um, somehow I managed to like get this poem out of me. So it's out there now. Good. Yeah, good. on the long list of poems that my parents can never hear ever. <laughs> you An know, ever growing list. Ever, of- <laughs> you know, ever growing. First one was like my poem about like mental illness and then my parents ended up hearing that one I was like oh well and then the next one was about like me coming out as like queer and I was like whoops oh, okay no. they can't hear that one and now uh, this is like oh another one to the list okay uh, I hope this isn't a sensitive question but did you write this poem at your okay I'm not gonna call it home I'm gonna call it your parents house versus campus like where did you write it I wrote this okay it was a bit of um okay so the workshops were spoken word at night because like I mentioned I wrote this for Spoken Word Night, which mm. happened a while ago. Um, everyone already had a poem draft submitted and I had nothing, nothing to right. write. I just, nothing was flowing. And at the time, I was in my parents' house on the verge of moving um, back to Samanir. And like the first weekend that I was back here, the first workshop that I had in my Samanir house, I, I just like cooked up like half of this poem right. in like 10 minutes. And then I read it out because Sheena was like, okay, I need everyone to read out your drafts. And I had no draft. I had okay. nothing. So like, she's like, okay, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to collect yourself. And I wrote like half of the poem Holy in 15 Jesus. minutes. And I was like, okay, I kind of came up with this on the spot. And they were like, what? <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like... So yeah, I didn't write this in my parents' house. I okay. wrote this out and it. I think it's funny that I only managed to write something after I left. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think so either. Yeah, no. might have been. I don't know. I mean, Akil would know that that particular workshop was like... <laughs> it was a lot. Everyone was mm-hmm. reading like their raw poetry and it was... Like a mess Half of the poems Were about like parents yeah. So it was just A whole thing we're Like yeah Oh we all parents, got this We all religion, got the And all of it's that It's always <laughs> Parents Religion um, Being in love It's it's the cycle yeah, you know? yeah Yeah Okay So I mean I like I mean I, 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 I don't mean to assume But I think that In general Like 
people are only really able to process stuff once they're out of their environment. So yeah. like once you got out of home, I'm sure that it was a lot easier to articulate you. But yeah. you also had someone like Sheena, who once again is a fucking legend guiding you. Uh, shout out to Sheena for like the 50th time on this podcast. Um, Go listen to Sheena's podcast. Too. Yeah, yeah, listen to it. But but yeah, um, yeah. I mean that's 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 really cool uh and you said okay the first half took you 10 minutes uh what about the second half like when did you finish this um this poem after the workshop that night that same night that same night Mm -hmm. i was like okay because different poets have different ways of um writing their poetry some poets like to do it bit by bit for me it's like I don't know how else to describe it, but it sounds like fucking weird. But it's like I get possessed by like this writing spirit. Everything has to come out in one go, mm-hmm. or if not, it's not getting written. So it's all just one shot. Do you yeah. edit them? Do you edit okay, them after so you're done? How I edit my poems? Okay, so I guess this is delving off a bit, but you're probably gonna ask me the same question later. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off doing poetry by doing spoken word. Yeah. Um, it was never just written. I always wrote for the stage, mm-hmm. and so because of that, I always edited my poems by just writing it reading the fresh poem Mm -hmm. and then on stage I usually when you're reading poetry on stage sometimes the words just change yeah the the poem just changes as you as you go along Mm -hmm. and then from there I would edit it based on what felt right or what didn't feel right and then after that I would go up and I would read it again in the next show and then I would edit it further which is a kind of weird way to edit, but <laughs> yeah. Wait. So, do you have like like do you get audio recordings of it and you remember what you said or no? Is it I just, just like- I come down from the stage and I take out my notes app and I just edit wow, it. Wow, based. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my poems. Um, okay, I bet no one in knots has seen me perform live like on the mm-hmm. stage, but um, for those people who have, they would know that I'm always going on stage and I'm always that one poet that's like, guys, I just wrote this. Because mm-hmm. usually I sign up for poetry shows because I want to go see the poems, but I don't want to pay the entrance fee. Not that I don't want to pay small creators. I am just a broke college student, okay? And 20 bucks is a lot for me because that's two meals. Right. So um, when you sign up as an open micer, you don't have to pay the entrance fee. Based, so I would yeah. just sign up. I would have no poem in hand. I would be like raw dogging that shit. And then I would go up and then I just tell the host, can you put me after the intermission? Right. And when I'm hearing other people's poems, I get inspired. get inspired. And then during the intermission, I'm like speed typing while everyone's like going to the bathroom, going out for a smoke. There's just me in the corner, like on my notes app, mm-hmm. just like furiously typing. And then I'll just go up on stage and I'll just read that. Wow. Man, that is, I mean, you are probably like the first person. It's not that it's not valid. It's fucking cool that, that you're able to come up with it's weird, meaningful bro. poetry that that isn't just rubbish because thank you your your poems were pretty good to thank you. to to a non-poetry appreciated like me i enjoyed it quite thank a you. lot um, thank you thank you it means a lot yeah okay um man you you addressed the question that i was gonna ask oh, you i'm after. sorry oh my i'm just God. such a good person in <laughs> okay uh have you done any gigs on campus because I know that you've done quite a few off campus yeah Mm. um, on campus besides Spoken Word Night which is online yeah yeah not really sure that it counts I have done one which was UPA um, Unipa Arts organized Mm -hmm. a night of music and poetry back in 2019 so that was my first time reading on campus and my last time actually Um, I signed up on like a whim because I was like oh my god Poetry open mic That's like my thing And then I went Mm. And I outed myself In front of like A room of 50 people Right (laughs) Which Uh, was great Yeah it was fun Um, But then after that I think like On campus Like The poetry scene Is Like we always had Spoken word night It was always a thing But Mm -hmm. I feel like Just In general The scene Isn't really Poetry focused Because it's Even outside It's still very Very niche yeah. You know, so um, it's kind of difficult to sort of find, quote unquote, find your people. Mm. Um, but funny enough, that's where I met Akil, the mm-hmm. current um, president of Lads, yeah. who also just had a Lads X Not FM podcast episode come out. So um, only from there, then that's when I kind of started to say, okay. 
maybe there are a few people who who do poetry here, but right. it was hard to really find like a group mm-hmm. until you join Spoken Word Night. If not, it's almost impossible to yeah. really find like a group of people who really do poetry. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. I actually think it's the same for any art form. It's like. I think a lot of artists, regardless of genre or craft, are really introverted, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it feels like a very, um, very sensitive topic. And yeah. M- but more often than not, like, number one is like you think that no one will understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you also don't think that there will be anyone who is like you. Yeah. So a lot of the times, like, I mean, the fucking bedroom guitarist trope is... Yeah. Endless, uh, and and I mean, I'm I'm sure it's the same for poets as well. Mm. So, um, what like when you when you signed up for those open mics, was it was it just like okay, fuck it, I I gotta go read these out now because these are meant to be performed. Mm. Uh, like, was it on a whim or did you have to work up the courage to go do it? You mean the off campus ones? Off campus ones. Off campus. Um. I think because I started really young. Okay, yeah. I don't know whether you have another question. I was gonna ask that question okay, later, well, but, but come on, sure. all in one, bro. Okay, <laughs> sure. So I started. Um, I started doing poetry when I was like twelve or thirteen. Hold. Um, okay. for context, I'm nineteen now. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been a while. Basically, I was homeschooled. Um, my parents took me out of primary school early, and then they kind of dumped me in like a study group with a bunch of other kids. Okay. Uh, shout out to Nabila who was also there. She's gonna be so embarrassed hearing this. <laughs> um, and um, from there, the one of the parents of the um, students there, she. Was an English major, and she mm. started introducing us to poetry. And at the time, my understanding of poetry was like, "Oh my god, it has to rhyme, and it has to be full of metaphors." And I yep. made all of my poems rhyme. But I think even before that, I when she first told us about poetry, I was scrolling through YouTube, and I stumbled upon this video from this YouTube channel called Button Poetry. Mm-hmm. And if anyone listening to this has ever done poetry you will know button poetry yeah. they're like the hub for spoken word poems i found one i don't remember what it was called i think it was called lost voices it was like a duo poem mm-hmm. and like in the poem it was basically like a black man and a girl and they were when they were speaking about their experiences they swapped places so the guy would be speaking about the girl's experience living as a woman and she would be voicing his experiences as a black man. And then okay. at some parts they would read together and then only at the end they really swap to their quote-unquote like appropriate places. And it just like, it blew my little 12-year-old mind. I was like, oh my god, racism, sexism, spoken word poetry was just all like hitting me at one go. Yeah. And like... I guess I was old enough to kind of vaguely grasp those kind of concepts, but just seeing it on stage with that kind of confidence, I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. So that was my first real exposure to poetry. Right. Which is why, like, I, I was kind of always a spoken word poet. Mm-hmm. Like, I got introduced to the scene when I was homeschooled because that that parent she knew people in the scene. Mm-mm. She knew like one person who used to host an open mic, Melissa. She used to host this um, bi-monthly spoken word open mic called If Walls Could Talk. It used to be in Bangsa. It used to be the only spoken word night, spoken word open mic in KL, and. Um, I was there since before they even had their first anniversary, so the place is really special to me. Even though unfortunately that that open mic is not being hosted anymore, and I guess reading there kind of made me think, okay, this is this is how poetry, this is how I want poetry, my poetry to be done, right? Being read. So from there, I guess it's it wasn't really something I had to work up to to sign up for open mics. It was just something I did, mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because like I'm a very like soft-spoken person. I yep. guess you would say that, and mm-hmm. like um, I have horrible stage fright, like really, really yep. bad. Which is ironic because I'm head of talent for lads, and, <laughs> and I've performed in like a lot of stuff. If you've been to a lads production in the past two years, you've seen me. Yeah. Um, but I have horrible stage fright, and I was always that kid that like that would always be yelled at and be told to speak up so me finding kind of like a home on stage was 
something really special to me because I always felt like you know the former gifted kid syndrome yeah <laughs> of like I will never be what I used to be and I need to work hard and I, as mu- as hard as I work I will never be good enough mm-hmm. that was kind of my issue but going into the spoken word scene and the poetry scene it kind of felt like the only space I didn't have to like claw my way through and try hard I just and, yeah. like felt like I belonged there mm. you know yeah so tell me a little bit more about the scene uh I mean, you mentioned that you started when you were quite young, right? Like, yeah. So when did you start performing and what was the reception towards you as like, quote-unquote, a kid in, yeah. in, in the scene? Um, oh my god, it's kids <laughs> in my scene, yeah. The first time I read was actually at like a student's poetry open mic competition. Uh-huh. I didn't win. Even though like, Doesn't I matter. guess they didn't want me to win because everyone was talking about like, they were talking about things that were not personal. Right. You know, and that's what people love to see kids doing. They're talking about global warming, yeah. um, animal abuse. What do you feel like when you look into a dog's eyes? No hate to the people, the other people there, by the way. Because <laughs> we were all like 12. But then I came in and I was talking about depression. I was talking about I can't get out of bed. That is. And then and everyone, <laughs> the judges all looked at me. They were like... <laughs> Someone get this kid some help, bro. There was just bro. silence. <laughs> there was just dead silence after right. that. And then I didn't win. And then... um. My teacher was pretty mad because she was like, but like you, you wrote about really like deep stuff, but I guess like, I don't know, maybe it was too much. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because the other judges were parents and I don't know how they would feel like about their, their, kid. their kids yeah. hearing that kind of stuff, you know? So I'm sorry to all their parents who were there. Um, none of them are listening, but I have probably traumatized your children. Imagine like when... when when those kids went home, they're like, you know, mommy, you used to do the, the same thing to me, and then oh. they like, then I got into an argument <laughs> no. about it. No, I mean, I didn't even talk about my parents. It was just about me and like because oh, okay. like my bad, my bad. the the reality was that um, I don't know how bad I was back then because obviously I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. But being suddenly pulled out of school, I had and I was an only child too, so I had no like support system. I had. I had no friends to talk to because this was before I had a phone, before I had a laptop, Mm -hmm. before I had proper access to the internet. Right, right, right. So all I did when I was homeschooled for the first year, I was just sitting at home alone. I had no one to talk to. I had literally nothing to do because for the first year, my parents were like, okay, we're just going to let you like, quote unquote, unschool, which is kind of let go of all the the things that the school system has drilled into you, which is great as a concept, but I just couldn't do it. Mm, I had had no structure and I basically fell into depression for the first time, which I couldn't even understand properly. I was too young. You were a kid, man. I was a kid, yeah. yeah, And it it was really bad. Like that that did kind of mess me up for life, but that's like unrelated. But um, Mm -hmm. being able to channel that for the first time after I started frantically Googling mental illness systems uh, symptoms oh on my, my on my dad's laptop because I thought I was just really interested in psychology. Right. <laughs> I swear I wanted to be a psychology major. Mm-hmm. Now I know I'm just depressed. Did your <laughs> did your parents ever look at the history and find out about it? Like did they ever have a talk with you? I mean I knew, I already knew what incognito was at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But well, then so. you probably a lot smarter than me as, as a kid. <laughs> because because when I was a kid I I like searched up boobs on YouTube. And then my dad was like, yo, this 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 wasn't me interested in Oh my god, me, but then like I I, I was smart enough to on incognito and search okay, girls okay, kissing. Yes, yes. She's okay, you're fucking smart. Wait, oh my god, that's so stupid. Oh my god. <sighs> and you say you would bully me when I was a kid. I would make fun of you. Yeah. I would make fun of you, but oh, this okay. guy doesn't know what this kid mm-hmm. doesn't know what incognito is. So how how many gigs off campus have you done? Oh god, I can't count. I think I used to go like at least twice a month. Holy fuck. Like every month. At at my peak. So Right. Like definitely more than like twenty. Mm. Oh, 20. are you are are you a quote unquote household name now? Uh I wouldn't call myself a household name. Okay, wait. I didn't really answer your question because I got, I got derailed by you saying the YouTube thing. It's okay. It's okay. okay. It's okay. okay. Carry on. So, Carry on. back to the question was that... Um, like, how... Like, what was it like being, like, quote-unquote, like, a kid in the scene? I think because I was, like, the only 
kid there yeah. really um i mean there were the other people in my homeschooling like study group that followed me nabila right yeah nabila mm. and a few other people nabila i'm so sorry for shout out to you. nabila bro she, she's awesome nabil bobaggins my my favorite tiktoker nabil, Bo- nabil bobaggins um, my favorite youtube youtuber yeah my favorite um, youtuber yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um but then i was kind of the only one who really stayed and really mm-hmm. kept going back in by myself um but people just knew me as like oh look at this look at this little girl because everyone was look like at this little girl everyone yeah. was in their 20s right oh. and then i was like 14 holy shit yeah and then like i think that's why it was so hard for me to write shit like love poems and stuff because it's so embarrassing yeah. when you're 14 and you're reading a poem about a crush in front of a room of like working adults bro yeah that's embarrassing i think i did one and They didn't make fun of me for it, but I was like, I'm never doing this again. You could like feel it in the I room. I could feel right? it. They're like, oh, oh she's a so kid. Cute. But then, like, I think I always kind of talked about serious stuff. But even though that was kind of, there's always that, oh my god, you're so young. I feel old now. That kind of thing. Yeah. They always took my poetry seriously, which was a nice thing. That they never yeah. really okay. invalidated my experiences or invalidated my trauma, which is poetry is just trauma dumping, but in a fancy <laughs> way. Honestly, they they you go to a poetry open mic, it's just a bunch of strangers trauma dumping. Just people reading out tweets, and man, it's like. great. It's great. Yeah, mm. and they they never kind of shamed me for it. If, if anything, they were like, you know, you're, I we're lucky that there are young people like you who are. Still, who are starting to do poetry, so we can like, mm. continue on the the scene, you know. Yeah. Um, I think as I got older, there were people who, who who still know me even now. They've known me since I was a kid, right? So yeah. Like, oh my god, man, how old are you? My god, you're like grown up. They're now, like, bro. oh my god, you're in college now because when they met me, I was like thirteen. Uh. You know, <laughs> so like it must be a lot, but then also. Since I've been going to so many open mics on my own, to mm-hmm. some extent, people know me. Like the hosts know me. Like yeah. when I when you know they always ask you to give like a short bio so they can introduce you. Even when my bio is only like two to three lines, I this is not a flex by the way. I'm just saying that like they when they read out my bio, they also add on like yeah, and this is someone that I've seen do poetry like a lot, and she's mm. grown a lot, that kind of thing, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's nice, you know. It kind of feels like I'm being like taken care of in a way. Yeah. But also not that I'm belittled, but there is sometimes still a little bit of that disconnect of like, because they've known me since I was a kid. When they go out and they do, you know, quote unquote adult stuff, like, I guess because a lot of them have known me since I was young, even if they haven't known me all the way when I just started, even at like sixteen, seventeen. Right. Um. I there's always there's a little bit of disconnect where when they, you know, after the event after the open mic is over, they go, they go downstairs for like drinks or something, or, or they smoke. hang out. Yeah. yeah, they hang out the mama and they smoke and stuff, which is like, I'm generally not invited to those kind of things, even though yeah. I know everyone because they still kind of see me as like, oh, you're you're so young. yeah. Even though there is like one or two people there who are not much older than me. But because they've known each other since they were like already a little bit yeah, older, yeah. they kind of they kind of fit into the more adult side of things. Do you expect to get the same treatment if you go back now? Like uh, um, now that you're a little bit older, I I I'm not too sure. I guess because it's been a while and everything has been closed for a long right. while. I would hope that I would they would kind of see me more as like. Hey, she's her own person now. Yeah, she's not like a child anymore. But also, hope so. um, yeah, I would hope so. I would hope to get taken seriously. But I also do appreciate the that like I'm I'm always taken seriously in in a right. poetry so, context. So you never infantilize. I don't know if that's infantilize, how you. Infantilize, yeah. yeah, not really. Okay. In terms of the things I spoke about, even when I spoke about serious things, like you know. Mental illness, the mostly mental word, illness. Depression, yeah. yeah. Mostly mental illness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it was right. always some serious topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any semblance of gatekeeping in in the scene that that you have felt curious? Um. 
not that I know of. I think just because the scene as a whole is so niche, there's uh-huh. not much to gatekeep. Right. Because there's barely anyone there. Mm-hmm. You know, the circle is so small. It's like you know one person, they know everyone. Yeah, you know? I feel like it's the same for any art scene as yeah, well because I mean, it's like it you're one of us like, now. I'm gonna go same? introduce you to everyone. Yeah, the bro. same in like the metal scene. Yeah, yeah, or or any 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 music scene. It's just like oh my god, you guys know Senja? Oh my god, like I know those guys. And then it's like oh, we actually know everyone yeah, from this band and this band and this band. And it's basically the same thing. It's like you you meet one person and you're like oh. You know this person too, <laughs> and then you follow this one, this new person on Instagram. And you're like, oh my god, you're mutuals with like all of these people yeah. that I know. It's it's a whole thing, and it, it's not the worst. There's there's kind of nothing to gatekeep because everyone just knows each other. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. That's that's very heartwarming to hear. Uh fuck. I I, I can't remember my uh, my questions now. So we've talked about you going to the scene and everything, but I am curious how. How has the the whole spoken word thing translated to your current job? job. For lads, job <laughs> is such a such a formal your role job. your role with lads. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, head of talent in lads basically entails organizing all the workshops and the the plays mm-hmm. and festivals of lads. Um. Alongside head of theater, which. Shout out to Head of Theatre, Carmen. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the main thing that translates over is just experience. Mm. Generally, if you've been on stage in any capacity enough times, it counts as experience. Yeah. You know? Um, so it helps when I get to talk to people, especially because um, we always say lads is kind of the stepping stone for beginners, right? We always say mm. that you don't need experience, just show up mm-hmm. and we'll guide you. And I think it helps because I very much remember being a beginner. I still kind of, I don't consider myself like a senior just because I have a lot of experience. Yeah. I very much know that feeling of being terrified and being like scared to try something new or or stage fright which I feel like every single day of my life Um, so it's a bit easier to connect with them on that level and when I'm planning workshops I say okay what can I do like let's say in terms of icebreaking games that will not scare um, Mm -hmm. the beginner participants too much you know will they be like oh my god I can't embarrass myself in front of people so how do we make it really beginner friendly you know that kind make it of really thing. like a safe space yeah yeah and i will say your workshops are good i've been the loyal soccer mom that's been yes. showing up to every workshop Thank just you. to go and support amanda and even though she bullies me in these workshops they're pretty 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 good thank you uh thank you. i'm not sure if you guys are running anymore next semester we are then if since you are fucking go for it if, if like if, if if you're someone who's listening and it's like oh i want to try poetry or i want to try directing go to a workshop they do a really good job. Even their their juniors, uh, Mick yes. and uh, Peishuan, yes. do a really, really good yes. job. Everyone in Lads is friendly. I could shit talk about Elon Musk when I was uh, putting on a role and it felt 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 really good. Felt yeah. really good. So yeah, uh, yeah, go go to go to those workshops. Yeah. Uh oh yeah. I wanted to go and say, like, do you feel that there's a limit of experience on campus? Because from my experience as a as a musician mm-hmm. because of the gear and quite frankly like the knowledge of some of the organizers on campus it's like you can only go so far yeah. and the moment that you go off campus your standards are raised to the roof it's yeah. like it doesn't even have to be like a bar like you, you can just go to like another university and yeah. this is this is definitely me shit talking about the uh, the organizers here i'm just going to be straight up the organization here is shit and at least from 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 my experience, uh, mm, how do I phrase this? It's like the the standards are there, but once you go off campus and you come back, it's like no comparison at that point. There's mm-hmm. there's, there's like a ceiling for you. Yeah. Do you do you ever feel like that? Um, I think it's difficult to gauge in terms of poetry specifically, just because we have like a single poetry event on campus. Mm-mm. So you can't really compare it. Also because I've only been to the one this year and it was online. Right. Um, but I will say that it is a bit different from music compared to poetry where mm. there's a lot of 
a lot more technical aspects involved in it like mixing yeah. and stuff for yeah. poetry generally at most you'll have like a really soft backing track okay and most of the time it's just a mic you know so it's not as difficult to organize mm-hmm. but also um in terms of theater i don't think like for me personally I wouldn't want to compare like a non-student-led thing compared to a student-led thing, especially because on campus there are a lot of restrictions that we have to follow. Yep. There are a lot of mm-hmm. guidelines and there are a lot of things that have to go through multiple stages of approval. Yeah. And you and I both have to know be, that very well. Yeah, <laughs> things have to be cut down and um, it's kind of unfair to compare mm-hmm. it on the same level as something outside just because there are... There's a whole different set of rules. It's like a completely different ballgame mm-hmm. out there, you know. Like, I can't expect there to be as many poets showing up to a poetry open mic on okay. campus compared to if I went outside, yeah. you know, that that kind of thing. Mm. I mean, that's generally my train of thought, but I'm sure, like, other people have other experiences yeah. as well. And I think it's very different depending on which form of art you yeah, do as exactly. well. Yeah, I, exactly. I do want to ask, though, how is, like, how is campus as a platform uh, for, for a poet, like, in terms of reach or finding like-minded people yeah. or, or specifically i mean lads you know like yeah. it could be lads or any other event on campus like how is it like as a platform to reach like-minded people not too bad honestly i feel mm-hmm. like this isn't shading other universities by the way but i feel like it would be much harder to find like-minded people in other universities mm-hmm. i just feel like nottingham as a campus I don't know whether it's because we're in like the middle of fucking. I where. think it does have to do with the and geography like, of it. I think mm. it also helps that because we're in, we're in the middle of nowhere and there's like nothing to do here. All the clubs are almost every single club is very is active in some capacity. Yeah, I think that helps because I have a lot of friends who go to universities in the city and because there's so many things around right Subang. none of the clubs are active i don't want to say it i don't want to say it that um, is all we're saying we're yeah, only saying y'all, y'all know yeah. what colleges i'm talking about <laughs> and um generally like most of the clubs there are not active just because there's so many other extracurricular things to do yeah why would i spend my my after school hours sitting in a club room when i could go to the mall yeah, or you can go to like pyramid. a pyramid-shaped mall. Yeah, yeah a, a very specific mall with like a sphinx in the front. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 really fucking weird, but yeah. Yeah, um, um, I know what you mean. So there, there is a community on, yeah, on campus. Yeah, on campus, okay. I think best because it's like, would I call it a survival instinct? Yeah. Just because if you have no clubs, there's nothing to do. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna mm. walk around. You're gonna feed the ducks. You're gonna yeah. get chased by the geese. Find a monitor lizard in your bathroom. I don't know. Whoa. I mean, like, apparently there was a thing. Uh? Someone found a monitor lizard in your bathroom. What the fuck? I don't know, man. We have a zoo. Sunway has. Sunway, a Sunway, Sunway is a concrete zoo, man. <laughs> Sunway, Sunway has a cultivated zoo. Our animals aren't in cages. Yeah. They're free. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <Okay>. <laughs> and the animals are the students, but. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, okay. I think one like one thing like probably like the only thing that I like about the on-campus scene is that everyone's around the same age like you won't have some like 50 year old uncle walking in and I mean it's, 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 it's not that I'm trying to gatekeep like oh there's no old people in the metal scene because <laughs> let's be real like fucking 90% of the metal scene is just all like Malay uncles and there's, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with that it's just that when when you're someone who's new you might feel outcast because yeah, someone difficult. has like a lot of experience or something and there's there's just something like um comforting about seeing let's say someone my age walk into a room with like a bass and i'm like holy shit he probably listens to the same music as me yeah not in my case yeah because <laughs> but, but like, like probably someone else yeah, yeah. um yeah, I think that's that's probably like the only thing that I Very like about the. Very much so. Yeah. It was always uh, like back to the whole me starting poetry and having that huge age gap with everyone yeah. else, right? I think one of the best things about coming to campus and also I guess also getting older in general mm. is finding people my age who have similar interests because back then it's like mm-hmm. I could only hang out with like twenty five year olds. Ugh. Which was like weird. I'm sure they kind of felt like they were babysitting me. Yeah. But they also like never really held back on like swear words and stuff. So so thanks to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming here and actually, it took time. But but being able to find people who have the same interests as me as like, 
who who like theater, who do poetry, you know, that kind of thing. And they're all around my age. Albeit, I'm still usually the youngest person. Yeah. Um, but it'd be like you are the youngest person in this room right now. Yeah, I am. <laughs> God damn it! But I mean, like. I don't know because when you enter college age isn't really like a thing anymore. Yeah. it's not really something but like, oh my god you're so much younger than me like one of my closest friends she's like 25 uh-huh. you know and she's one of the nicest people I've met on campus shout out to Sophie um, and it was age was never like an issue between us you know uh-huh. yeah yeah so wait she, she's 25? yes she oh is. my god <laughs> oh my god she was in my car just now oh my god I, okay bro don't be ages oh my god i'm fucking ages but, but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah okay that's that's really really cool and i mean how does it okay very very weird question coming from me but do you do you ever feel like um people look at your age like on campus because you're probably younger than let's say most people in in lads yeah okay like do you ever feel like when let's say you're directing someone or you're giving someone like basically like you're like commanding them like yo bro can you like do this for me or something do you ever feel like oh she's just a kid man she doesn't know what she's fucking talking about like do Um, you ever get that i don't know if that is actually what happened i've definitely had that fear Uh and that inferiority complex Uh because Okay, so when I was in foundation, oh. I signed up to be a director for One I Play Festival for Lads, mm. which is coming next semester, by the way, guys. You should sign Great up. Great event. I went. Please go. Very, yeah. Very cool things. Yeah. yeah um, so I signed up to be a director and I did not. So how OAPF works is usually um, students will submit their scripts and then mm. they can choose whether they want to direct their own script or they want to let the script go and have someone else direct it. Okay. Almost like, like 90% of all the plays there were directed by the script writers mm-hmm. except for me and one other play mm-hmm. um, and the script that I got was from two year three students Woo. I was a foundation kid at the time mm-hmm. so they trusted me with their script because I got assigned to it by the head of theater at the time or head of yeah head of theater at the time Aish um, she assigned me that script and she was like I really think you can do this uh-huh. I was like no I absolutely can't <laughs> um so the script was written by two final year students and then uh, I had to cast people the two people I casted were also both final year students so I was basically working in a team of like only final year students and then there was me um and it was really scary because they've all had experience like the script writers they are both English or creative writing students you know shout out to Andrew and Shizen um they're both creative writing students so obviously they're really good at what they do, you know, script writing. And then the the two actors, they are both experienced. Like they've been in stuff off campus. That that mm-hmm. kind of acting experience. And like, I just felt like I was just me. Like I've had I directed one short play in high school. That was it. Yeah. I've acted maybe twice. So it, it was like it was like frankly like kind of horrifying. Every yeah. time I would step into a room, I just felt like Oh god, like maybe they're not gonna tell me, hey, I think your directing sucks, but maybe they're thinking it. Yeah. To this day I don't actually know what they were thinking. Okay. But um I definitely struggled with that like oh they're gonna think I'm just some foundation kid. Right. Who's who's just trying her best to direct people but ultimately she doesn't know what the hell she's doing, mm-hmm. you know? But um I don't know, if anyone who did go to twenty nineteen OAPF night one and you saw that that horrifying um, play where it was supposed to be like an advertisement but it turned out to be not it was actually a play in disguise i am so sorry yeah. <laughs> uh so the the off campus experience of these actors are yeah. we talking kl pack levels yeah kl pack oh. or one of them okay. she the the female actress she is a transfer student so she's acted in like kind of short films uh Holy overseas shit. okay yeah she travels a lot that mm. kind of thing so uh, okay very weird question do you ever feel like second the- time you said that. yes I, I I mean, do you, do you ever feel like like those actors that have so much experience kind of end up directing themselves, or they direct in a way that you couldn't imagine because they've got the experience? And has that helped you as a director, like seeing different perspectives? Um, I think definitely. I went in thinking I'm probably going to be learning more from them than they're going to learn yeah. from me, but. I guess because I approached it in like, okay, I know they have more experience than me. Mm. So I will want to take pointers from them 
but I also need them to know that I'm still the director. I'm still the boss. Yeah, you yeah. know, like like I still call the shots for the most part. If let's say we really come to a disagreement, they'll have to listen to me. It took me a while to get used to it, but ultimately it never really came down to like to that. Yeah. Okay, fuck you. You don't do that. I'll, like you listen to me. I never got mm. to that point, but mm-hmm. I was always I wanted it to be a very collaborative space. Because right. the play was actually like ninety percent monologue by the by the guy. Yeah. So because of that, I kind of worked with him a lot because he was very experienced and he is a good actor. Um, I very much discussed with him like, okay, I want you to read out the scene first before I tell you what direction to go. Because right. I wanted to see how he, how he interpreted interpret it. it yeah. Yes, and then from there. If it was a little bit different, then we would kind of work on it in, in between. I'm like, okay, I like what you did here, mm. and then I would say, okay, what I envision for this part is like this, and then we would kind of come to an in between. Mm. It helped also that he was the kind of actor who really liked to push himself. Mm. Um, so when I would give him something that was a bit different from what he envisioned, he kind of liked it mm. because he was like, okay, I get to try something else, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. It's kind of like being in a band, actually. Oh my god. A worm. Yeah, it's very, very similar to being in a band. It's yeah. like, I bring you an idea and how you interpret it is different. Blah, yeah, blah, 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 I mean, blah. that's generally my approach to directing. In general, I mean, back in high school, I did something similar, although more commanding because the, my two yeah. actors were like completely beginners. Mm-hmm. But especially more so now with the, the upcoming Let's Play Swordfish and Concubine, mm. I am... I'm co-directing with um, the head of theater, Carmen, mm. and so there's definitely a lot of collaboration there where we both will ask each other like, okay, what, how do you see this part? What do you think about this? Especially mm-hmm. when we were deciding on the cast, deciding who we think would fit what role, whether mm-hmm. we wanted to cast a certain person or not. Um, so it's a lot of just we each put an idea for it, and then we both figure out how to meet in the middle. Right. Yeah, it's basically just that over mm-hmm. and over again. Okay, when you say meeting in the middle, does that mean compromise in the sense that I have to let go of some of my vision, or is it always like, okay, is it a compromise or is it like 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 a synergize? I I, I don't know if you know what I mean. <laughs> I but get what you yeah. mean. I get what you mean. Um, in terms of me directing for OAPF, it. It's a bit of compromise, mm. a bit of compromise, especially because my actor was also very—he's very, um, what's the word? Strong-minded. That's the word. Yeah. Um, mm. Because also he has experience and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, it is a little bit of compromise on my side, but I always made sure not to compromise too much. Yeah. Because I didn't want to kind of become a pushover. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to be stepped on. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. <laughs> <laughs> not in that way oh my um, fuck okay. <laughs> yeah I didn't want to be like a carpet you know yeah, like I okay. didn't want to be a doormat that's just like yeah I can do whatever I want because the director listens to me but it was very much like a collaboration where when I was looking for sound cues I would edit them and I would let the actors listen to yeah. it and be like what do you think do you yeah. think this sounds creepy okay. and he's like yeah I think it's creepy but I think you should slow it down more and like yeah okay you okay. know that kind of thing because yeah 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 the directing alone is hard, man. It's hard. It is, and yeah. Sometimes when you need someone to bounce ideas off, it's great to have mm-hmm. actors who have more experience than you because they can help you in that aspect. Because they mm-hmm. can, they can give you suggestions when you're stuck. Mm-hmm. In terms of directing right now for for um, Swordfish and Concubine, though, it's definitely more synergy than compromise. Okay. It helps a lot that Carmen and I are almost always on the same wavelength. Like mm-hmm. we were like, okay. We need to have a meeting to discuss our visions so we don't accidentally direct two different ways. Yeah. But like, after we had auditions, every single time we wanted to say something, we were all thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we kind of have that natural synergy, which mm-hmm. is really good. So It's been good so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. So touch wood. Touch so far. Wood. So far. <laughs> yeah, you know, like... There's <laughs> not shade on you, Carmen. Yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. I mean, it's like, so far, it's just a lot of synergy and less on like... Oh, I have to sacrifice something. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, we're very much on the same okay. wavelength, which is good, you know. It's mm-hmm. good because directing is hard. It's nice to have someone with me, you know, for the ride. Doing doing anything on your own is fucking hard because, like, once you hit a brick wall, it's like shit. And in, in my experience, at least, like, even if someone isn't as experienced as you, it's like 
sometimes they're okay naivety isn't the, the word but they're 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 inexperienced to like yeah. go and try out random shit yeah. it's like it's like oh what the fuck i never thought about this it's like sometimes it's like it's so simple it works yeah, yeah you know exactly. yeah same thing same thing happens with uh with a music but Let's uh, talk a little bit more about swordfish and concubine. I see. Okay. So mm, how is? I mean, we are. Okay, you're gonna be going for rehearsals. It was is the first one after it's this, a right? Table read. Table yes. read. Uh, so they're they're gonna be going for a table read after this, and let's just talk a little bit more about the whole audition process and planning it. Like, actually, let's just let, let's just start from like the start. How how the fuck did you guys pick Swordfish as concubine as a play, and then how did you say okay, there's gonna be the script. We need we need to retain these characters from the original and so on and so mm. forth, and just walk me through the whole thing, bro. Okay, so um, Carmen did a bit of the heavy lifting in the beginning. Okay. So we had like a set list of scripts that we already had. Um, so for lads, when we do our, it used to be called the autumn play because mm-hmm. it was in autumn, but now it's called the local play because we're doing it in spring. Yeah. Okay. So in case anyone is confused, this is the formerly autumn play. We always did local scripts, and lads kind of had like an archive of like local scripts that we didn't end up using. Right. So we kind of just picked from there mm-hmm. like Carmen was like okay like we have these like four to five scripts and then we like she sent it to me and we're like okay let's just both read through it and then we can decide together mm-hmm. and then we both ended up deciding on Swordfish and Concubine just because we really liked the the commentary on it because it's political commentary mm-hmm. especially relevant right now mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so we both decided on that and then from there um we had to ask the playwright for permission. Oh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Carmen did that because we were supposed to stage this like a few years ago. A few years ago, yep. but it didn't it didn't know, like yeah. pull, it didn't come through. So we ended up um, staging another script. So now we could just re-email the yeah. the the author and be like, hey, remember hey, bro, what we said last we, time? Can we like do it this time? Yeah, instead, can we bro? do it now? And then he he said yes and um, he already staged this script before. Um, I don't remember where. I think it was at Kelpak. But mm-hmm. it was staged before and he directed it. So the script that we have basically has the cast list and the characters of his his version yep. of mm. the play. So the way we chose the characters is in like... Because this play has a lot of side characters yeah. as well. So even in his script, pretty much every actor was double casted. Right. So we kind of the basic guideline we had was we followed the way he double casted. So ah. this main character, whoever gets this role, also gets this role and this role. Okay. Um Yeah, and then from there we we kinda had to count like, okay, how many people do we need? What's the minimum? Um what is like there's no maximum, but like what is the minimum number of people that we need and, and things like that. And yeah. then um the way we plan it was I know some directors like to lay everything out first beforehand. Mm-hmm. So cast list, production, like props list, set design, costumes, yep. everything done beforehand. For us we're kind of doing things one step at a time. Okay. So we decided to tackle auditions okay. first. And um so we had live auditions um mm-hmm. in the SA building at uh, H1 classroom yeah the, yeah the classroom something like that and um, it was wild because we haven't had live anything mm-hmm. literally in like two years like I haven't done any live event on campus since I was in like foundation and I'm year two now so oh that's God, a lot yeah. <laughs> I mean Tristan was like in year one when I was in foundation now he's a final year student yeah, it's like, fucked up, it's dude. old as hell fucked up <laughs> yeah up, it's, it's fucked up like like so being back in the room people were like oh my god it's so like surreal it, it, it feels really weird it's yeah. so surreal but like it was nice because Carmen and I had each other for like emotional support nice and also on the first day of auditions we had so few people we had so few people we were worried that like oh no what if we can't even afford to pick and choose what yeah. if we'll just have to cast everyone mm-hmm. you know and we always want quality right so we're like oh no like like what happens if we don't get like the people we need for these roles and things like that but then by the second day we got like a bunch of 
on the spot sign ups okay. and then by the third day of auditions we we just had we had too many people like That's actually yeah. too many people so originally we were thinking okay we can have a cast of minimum minimum 10 people and then we'll try to double cast as much as we can yeah if you want to know our current cast list which is a full cast and everyone already accepted the roles we have 18 people nice which is a lot we've never had a let's play with this many cast members before mm-hmm. the fact that we managed to get them and they're all like talented they're all really talented is like great and honestly shout out to my friends for pulling through because they've always been like when i was so active in lads and foundation they always like oh man i'm so jealous lah i always wanted to try acting also i always wanted to try directing and then they mm-hmm. like never show up when i yep. invite them so this time i was like guys like we have so few people you guys should come it's like low commitment i swear mm-hmm. and then they all came and signed up and then they all got it Let this be on the record. Amanda tried to bully me into yeah, yeah, acting. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not even nepotism. Like, oh, I casted my friends just because I wanted them to get in. Like, like they came through to support me, and they all ended up being like really, really talented and suited for the roles, even though they've never acted before. So, like, right. whoever is listening, when One Act Play Festival comes around and we need actors again or directors, and you're scared, like, oh my god. I've never done this before. Just How do I do this? Like, just try out. You you'll surprise yourself. I swear. And also, Carmen and I will be there to guide you and be your mm-hmm. your theater parents. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amanda's not a very intimidating person. So she's one of the kindest persons I know. So. Oh my god, she's being nice to me. Shut up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if if you're nervous about it, please just. Fucking go and have fun, you know. Because I mean, I I've been to lads events before, and just like the overall atmosphere, even if you're a complete beginner, as you've mentioned before, is yeah. just fun. I went to, I don't know if it was an acting workshop you in year one. You went to the acting one. and the directing workshop. No, in year one. Oh, year one. So it's like we were doing like breathing exercises, <laughs> and it's like, and then we, we we had to test our projection, and then we were like running around and like in the room. This this was before COVID, okay, and. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I, I, I know fuck all about acting. <laughs> I, I know fuck all about directing or like even how to quote unquote brief properly for say. But I, I had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really inviting, and that just made me want to keep. Okay, I'll be honest. I'll probably never audition for a role because I'm, I'm, I'm too scared. Okay, and I don't, and I don't have enough time. But, but, <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, um, go, go to any lads event, and you'll have fun. Yeah. Mm. If we got Tristan, like the guy who's just always playing guitar and not not joining other events, to actually say lads, events are really fun. Like, yeah, means you guys should join. Yeah, you guys should probably try, yeah. especially if you have an interest in acting and no experience. Yeah, especially if you have no experience, because we always need, um, as Akil likes to say, Akil lovely person likes to say, fresh meat. Oh, <laughs> we always. I thought he was gonna say like virgin actors or no. something. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, we don't do that here. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we always need new people to come in because eventually, whoever is in charge now is going to graduate, and yeah, and then new people will have to come and and step up and continue whatever we've started. So yeah, yeah, I think after like the campus arts and club scene in general kind of just died yeah. over the past year. I was really like. Kamen and I were really worried that we wouldn't be able to get people interested mm-hmm. in events anymore, especially because our workshops have been online. Yeah. But then, like, we got like an overwhelming response, like mm-hmm. more people than even when we had face-to-face workshops, which is like crazy, man. Because it's it's let's so uh, great seeing yeah. like the scene kind of come back to mm-hmm. life. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about yeah. that. Actually, sorry to go and cut you off. Yeah, but it's okay. I mean. To be completely honest with you, anyone who was here like in 2019 and then got fucked over like the moment that 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 like COVID hit, I think that almost all of their motivation is out of the window. But all of the enthusiastic ones are like the new students, yeah. like, like the foundations and the year, the year ones, ones. And, and right now I guess some of the year twos as well. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of the people in the workshop. That I've been to, were, we're, we're, we're new faces. A, a lot of the new DAG members as well, like the ones who are really active and, quite frankly, hyper, are yeah. are, are the, the 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 new students as well. And 
I guess it's because they, they haven't been exposed to it before and they're yeah. like, I, I really want to, I really want to yeah. act, bro. And it's just like, like uh, yeah, I, I really like that a lot. Yeah, really, I mean, we really need like people that. like that, honestly. Mm. Even though we're all like tired year twos and year threes, like we need It new is quite people. inspirational. Yeah, we it? need new people. I'm like, wow, where did, where did that energy go? I used to be. <laughs> I used to be this, <laughs> this loud. I, I used feel, to be this energetic. I feel old, bro. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I mean like, when I was a year, when I was a year one, no, when I was in foundation, I was like, I'm gonna sign up for everything. Yeah, you know, and then I got burnt out and I got a fever, you know, but, but it's like, it's we need that kind of enthusiasm yep. now. Yeah, sign mm-hmm. up for everything, catch a cold, stay in bed for a week, and then sign up for everything again. Like I don't care, you know, like if you have that enthusiasm, especially because you're stuck at home for so long, and you're like, oh my god, I've broken free from my house. Yeah. <laughs> I get to sign up for clubs now. You also have a lot of time now, so yeah, if you're especially because you don't have your parents well, like man, making yeah. you do chores every day or something if you live on campus. Yeah. So it's it's like people want to spend time doing things, and usually if you're not in class, the only other things that you can do besides hanging out with your friends is joining clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fucking cool. Um. <laughs> I need to go and think of, of, of something else. We can edit this part out later, but I'm just thinking now. Okay, is there anything that you want to talk about? Anything that you want to bring up or plug? This is this this is this is not the end of the episode yet, but I was just wondering like any events you want to plug for lads, uh, any shows that you might be going to off campus, if that's even a thing. Oh god. If it is a thing, someone please let me know because I have not seen any as of late. You should probably talk to Kimchi about it. Be like, uh, I follow all the Instagram pages and they're not active. Okay. I will but, find out. But yeah, Swordfish and Concubine Swordfish is next and semester, Concubine, right? Yes, Swordfish and Concubine is coming up in February of the spring semester. And um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be our, our first major event live, like face-to-face mm. on campus. Because Spoken Word Night was still online and... Um, we are very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, very much looking forward to it. If you've never seen a lads play, especially if you're a new student and you have not experienced a lads event, then look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Tickets are affordable. I swear. Mm-hmm. I know we're all students. We are not going to overcharge you. Um, it's going to be a great experience, and mm-hmm. you know who knows that might inspire you to sign up for one egg play festival, which will be after that. Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully, mm. because you must. You must. <laughs> we need people. <laughs> yeah. Can you give our sixteen loyal listeners <laughs> and and <laughs> and an insight into the ticket prices? Like, how much are you planning to charge? Be 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 completely honest. Or or have you guys not have, have you guys not thought about it yet? Um. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. We're not that far into okay. planning yet. Okay. Completely understandable. Yeah, but it's it's definitely affordable. Like. We're definitely not gonna charge you like thirty bucks for one ticket okay. or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely be definitely it'll be lower than that. But okay. in terms of any exact numbers, I can't really give okay. I can't really promise anything right now. Because it's a bit early, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, cool. Um so, uh, I, I honestly don't have any more questions. Amanda's plugged everything. I do wanna say that if you've made it to the end of this podcast. I'm reaching out to two target markets or audiences right now, okay? If you are a poet and you like poetry and you need a platform, reach out to me or anyone in LADS. We can get you on this fucking podcast. We can get um, you to read out your poems and we can talk for a bit if you want. But if you don't want to, you can just read out your stuff. Um, Secondly, if you are a NotsFM host or if you signed up to be one uh, and you're still unsure... No, actually, wait. Cut cut this second part out, I'm going to go and rephrase it. Um, if you are interested in being a host uh, for Knots FM, please reach out to me. Uh, so far, Knots FM is kind of turning into Tristan and Friends. It's just been me, Amanda, and Noel recording. Uh, I think that some of the other people who had really good ideas are busy. I'm not going to shit on them for not committing. But yeah, um, if you're interested in that, please send me a message on Discord, Instagram, run up to my house, break down my door and say, Tristan, <laughs> Tristan, I want to I join Knots FM. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're if you're interested in any of that, please uh, do shoot me a message. And on that note, uh, thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Um, any final plugs that I can drop? 
<laughs> you, uh, you can put your own Instagram if you want to. Yeah, wait, I'm gonna shout lads first. Okay, mm-hmm. everyone go follow um at UNMC Lads on Instagram. Our lovely PR head of PR Grace makes like really great designs, especially mm-hmm. the Swordfish and Concubine poster was really pretty. Um and my Instagram at the meme friend on yes, on Instagram. The <laughs> um the yes. meme like like M E M E. Yeah. The meme friend, no spaces, no dots. That's me. Um, yeah. If you want to reach out, like, you want to ask questions about lads, about the production, about our upcoming shows, or just what it's like being in lads. If you're interested in joining, just like honestly, shoot me a DM. Mm. If Tristan says I'm not intimidating, it means I'm not intimidating. Yeah. I'm honestly like honest to God, like the least intimidating person ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yeah like don't don't be scared to reach out to me we we always want new people in the lads we're always um very much open to answering any questions so yeah yeah i guess that's it thank you amanda for coming on and i hope that uh we get more episodes from the lads committee in the future because i really like your insights thanks amanda thank you